Hey everybody, welcome to the New Market Alliance Church podcast, where you're invited to not just attend church or watch church, or in this case, listen to church, but actually go and be the church. For everything you need to know about our community, be sure to go to newmarketalliance.ca and maybe even drop us a line to let us know you're listening. We read everything you send and we'll be sure to get back to you. Our worship service happens every Sunday at 10 a.m. in person or streaming online. We want you to know you absolutely matter to God and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching. A couple years ago, there was a, a film crew from a different church that, that went out and asked sort of a man on the street type question of like, what comes to mind when you think of the Christmas story? Number one answer, the 1983 movie. You'll shoot your eye out. You know, a tale from the 1940s of a nine-year-old boy's desire for a Red Rider, carbon action, 200-shot range model, error rifle, BB gun, and lest we forget, with a compass in the stock and this thing that tells time. In other words, a movie that, you know, as, as much like that is the Ganyu family tradition movie, but a movie that had nothing to do with wise men or virgins or angels or mangers, much less a god who comes to earth in the form of a baby, but instead a story that's all about getting a present. And that is what Christmas has become for a lot of people, presents. It's giving, and it's getting, and it's buying, and it's shopping, and it's spending. Uh, The average Canadian consumer will spend $1,347 on Christmas gifts this year. That's the average. So half will spend more than that, maybe a lot more. So uh, forget about Clarence getting his wings. Now it's about kids getting their due. And... Heaven help you if you don't. How many have um, how many have seen the videos that Jimmy Kimmel has done with kids and Halloween candy? You know what I'm talking about. He got parents to tell their kids the next morning that that they ate all the candy and they record the response. It's hilariously mean. And uh, well, a couple of years ago, he 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 uh, he did the same thing with uh, presents. Uh, take a look at this. Last week. Uh I issued a challenge. I asked the parents of America to put a, pull a little holiday trick on their children. We did this on Halloween with candy and got a lot of response to it. So we did it again, this time for Christmas. I asked parents to tell their kids they were going to let them open one present a few weeks early. But instead of a good present, I said, put something the kids won't like in the box and then upload a video of that to YouTube labeled... Hey, Jimmy Kimmel, I gave my kids a terrible present. And a lot of people did do this, and um, they did give their kids terrible presents, and a lot of the kids, surprisingly, reacted poorly to that. What is it? An old banana. An old banana? Isn't that exciting? What are you doing? Okay. (laughs) A battery and an onion. What's wrong? 
Did you smell your onion? Here, smell it. Marissa, what do you tell me all the time about my cooking? I love it. You love my cooking, so I made you something. at my wife right now. She's like, this is not funny. This is it's kind of just mean. Some of you are all like, that video is like the best contraception ever because I don't, and I edited out the really entitled kids. But why are they acting that way? It's because we've made Christmas, I fear, about what we get. And that's what we're going to explore in this last installment of this series, Countercultural Christmas. How do we push against a culture of consumerism? How do we keep Christ in our giving? Because of, um, it seems the majority of our culture has made Christmas about us, what we get or spend or buy. So let's just start off by going way back to how this whole gift giving tradition started in the first place. Because in fairness, it is rooted in the Christmas story, but not the one with Ralphie, uh, the one with Jesus. And there was a group of people at the center of the first uh, Christmas gift-giving. We know them as the wise men or or the magi. Here's the story from the biography of Jesus in the Bible written in Matthew. Here's what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw the star in the east and have come to worship him. The star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. Now, let's just stop there. Who exactly were the Magi. Tradition says that they were three kings. You know, we three kings of Orient are. You know, when I was a kid, I heard that song and I was like, what a strange place to come from. They weren't from Orient A or Orient B or Orient Q, Orient R, um, which tells you how bright I was. Um, Actually, the Bible 
uh, doesn't use the word king, but instead used the word magi. Here's a bit of trivia for you. The Bible doesn't actually say that there were three of them. Uh, we don't know how many there were. Could have been three, could have been 33. It's hard to sing that. We, 33, you know what I'm saying? So the Bible doesn't say. What we do know is that the magi were scholars, intellectuals, kind of like a, a, a modern day astronomers. They were the Neil deGrasse Tysons of their day. Uh, these were men who as part of their intellectual pursuits studied the ancient scriptures. And through them, through the scriptures, they knew that a Messiah, a savior, a king was to come who would change all of world history. And they studied the heavens because the scriptures said his coming would be marked by this tremendous event in the heavens or the sky, specifically the, the coming of a star that would um, mark the time and place of his birth. And then to their amazement, it began to happen in their lifetime. Some of you are hoping that the ultimate second return of Jesus might just happen in your lifetime. And there's increasing reason to believe that, well, who knows? So they left their homeland in search of this wonder and the answers they hoped it would hold for their life. And the star led them to a child from a poor family in a manger of all things. And what did they do then? Let's keep reading. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with their gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. The first Christmas gifts, there you have it. And from that time forward, Christmas has been marked by the giving of gifts. But let's dig a little deeper than that. Did you notice who they gave the gifts to? They didn't give them to each other. They gave them to the child. They gave the gifts to Jesus. And two gifts in particular. First, they gave the gift of worship. Don't miss this. Um, that's always been a strange word for some of you, maybe even for Christians. It's an, it's an awkward word, maybe, one that might make you feel uncomfortable. You're not sh even quite sure what it is. Let's just de-weird the word for a second, okay? Because the word worship comes from a an Anglo-Saxon word which literally means worth-ship. That's not a lisp, worth-ship. So when we worship, it means that we are attributing worth, honor, respect to someone or something. And, and, and you can do that in a lot of ways, but the heart of it is, is simple. You, you bend the knee of your heart. Um, and for the wise men, it was the most natural thing in the world to do when they came face to face with Jesus. I, I think it should be for us as well. You know, there's a lot of people who could walk in the back door of that auditorium and we would in instinctively rise to honor. I think there's only one who would cause us to fall to our knees, at least at least if we realized who it really was. And these wise men did. But second, the Bible says that they gave these tangible gifts of great, uh, even maybe sacrificial cost to them. Specifically, 
gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it's easy to let that slide by. I mean, we don't exactly get into uh, frankincense and myrrh these days. I actually have some essential oils of, of those, uh, uh, of those uh, incense, you know, that was used for making perfume. Myrrh was used by the Egyptians for the embalming process. It was an important uh, medicine for sores and for wounds. Uh, it's still used to this day in, in mouthwashes and toothpaste and makeup. And of course, gold is still, you know, maybe the most prized commodity of our day, used uh, for our entire monetary system. It's the foundation of that. This, I checked this past week. Um, it was being valued in Canada at over $2,800 an ounce, which has doubled in the last 10 years. So these were not, these were not small gifts, nor should they have been. It would have been unthinkable to acknowledge this child as king, to acknowledge this babe in a manger as savior of the world, as, as God come to earth, and not react in a worthy manner in a tangible way. So the heart of Christmas giving is the giving of honor to Christ and the giving of gifts to Christ. But that's kind of where we've gotten out of whack, haven't we? Culturally, we don't honor Christ at Christmas. We certainly don't give him anything tangible. In fact, we've stopped giving anything to Jesus and have made it all about giving to each other, to ourselves. So how can we keep Christ in our Christmas giving? Many of you are first-generation Christians. You weren't raised in a Christian home that kept Christ in Christmas. Or maybe, maybe you were, but this, this part was never modeled for you. So can I just like throw out some ideas? Four ideas out of a million possibilities, and maybe it will stir your own creativity, and um, ideas to be countercultural in our giving, and, and much more in keeping with the real reason of this season. So first, could I suggest this from one parent to another? Um, teach your children how to give gifts at Christmas, not just get them. Like, and this could be done in, in a simple way. First, you know, try to get them as excited about what they're going to give as what they're going to get from people. You know, build up the surprise of it, the fun of it. You know, maybe give them some extra jobs around the house so that they could actually earn the money. And then, you know, depending on their age, you could take them to the dollar store and turn them loose. And, and, and that way they can pick out anything they want to give, anything in the store, because it's usually a dollar. And they could wrap it up and put it under the tree. And I mean, that could be a game changer for some of your kids, having more fun than you could possibly imagine in giving. And, and the presents you will get will be, if nothing else, memorable. Uh, sombreros and foot deodorizers and push-up bras. And that's just for dad, you know. And this year, the Ganyu extended family are exchanging homemade or re-gifted or basement unused 
uh, items in storage because we're realizing, all of us, um, that we got a lot of stuff. And maybe we don't need to add more stuff. And maybe that's not even what Christmas is about after all. Here's another idea that you might try. What if you were to give of yourselves, um, your time, your energy, your compassion, your service? It's not expensive, obviously, but it's, it's way more vulnerable, way more costly, you could say, in some ways. Requires more creativity, more forethought. What if you made, um, I don't know, baking together as a, as a couple or a family, went to some folks, elderly, shut-ins, or, or um, make five or six stops? What a cool Christmas that would be. Having, having two of my own kids who are working or have worked in nursing homes, you know, I'm hearing about the, the loneliness uh, the lack of socialization, um, is that something that you could maybe invest an evening in, include your kids in? I remember Vicky and I uh, taking the girls, they must have been eight or nine, to, uh, to a gathering of special needs adults who had their own monthly worship church service. And the Ganyu family led the worship. Folks, you have not worshiped until you've worshipped at a special needs worship service. Talk about a joyful noise. Everybody got a tambourine or a shaker, and our kids recited memory verses and sang a special song, and we sat with them and fellowshiped with them over snacks afterward. I don't say that as some sort of humble brag. The fact is we haven't done much of that over the years, but those times have been memorable and meaningful and uh, you're looking to put the idea of serving in your kid's DNA, um, you will see it uh, bear fruit in their, throughout their lives. Like there's a family at Knack, and there's many families, but I, I, I just want to, sh- to give one shout out in particular to, to the Bondats, where serving was integrated into the weekly rhythms of the boys growing up. I'm sure... I'm sure Tim and Josh didn't always love that about their parents. But now they are young men who serve their church, serve their community through coaching. It's, it's beautiful. And, and I, the Robinsons, the Stoskys, the Byshausens, the Briggs, the, the Maxmans, this was just standard operating procedure for y'all. And it's not um, just about leading your kids to do this. It's kind of about leading yourself too, isn't it? We've got so many opportunities here to serve, it's not even funny. And there will be more coming up as we, as we look to add community serve opportunities through our local Go Everywhere partners. Not to mention all the ways that there are to you know, serve on a Sunday to support the service through uh, ministry to the children, through greeting guests, so, so much more. There's no end to the opportunity to put giving ahead of getting in your life, your family's life, your child's life. Here's a third idea or thought, and I'm, you know, I'm a day late and a dollar short on this. I should have talked about this in November. And on top of everything else, I'm preaching to the choir here because you've already taken me up on this in an astounding way, so I'll be quick. But at Christmas, I think you want to make sure that whatever 
we give to friends and family is actually secondary to what we give to Jesus. You, you could say our gift giving starts with him. In fact, above and beyond our regular rhythm of giving, we give above and beyond to Christ at Christmas. And the Bible actually talks about how we do that. Jesus said that when we give to those in need, those who are poor and sick and hungry and thirsty and homeless, those without proper clothing, those in spiritual need who have not heard about the message of Christ, those in relational need, the the widow, the orphan, we're actually giving to him. Let me read his, his own words. Jesus said, when did we give you something to eat or drink? When did we welcome you as a stranger or give you clothes to wear or visit you while you're sick? And Jesus answered, whenever you did it for any of my people, no matter how unimportant they seemed, you did it for me. Whenever you failed to help any of my people, no matter how unimportant they seemed, you failed to do it for me. And that's what our knack giving tree was all about. That's why we started it from the very beginning of this church. Knack has given to the poor and the needy in our community. We developed ministry teams to serve. Years ago, we were involved in Habitat for Humanity and and In From the Cold and the New Market Food Pantry. And at times, we have even sent teams around the world to serve folks at their greatest need. And one of the things um, I'll confess to you that I'm always cautious to talk about because there's been so many, so many wolves in the church, so much bad press, grifters and charlatans that have ruined our reputation. There's a sense among some of you that oh, the church only wants your money. And I, and I grieve that sort of gross reputation. But here's the thing. The Bible talks about it a lot. Talks about it more than heaven or hell or sex or Satan or communion or spiritual gifts. More than almost any other topic is our money. And maybe God knows that this would be like an evergreen topic for humanity in every generation. How it might be maybe even the most tempting idol to stand between us and God. So, so let me read what the Bible says about this. I'm going to read from one of the, the very first uh, modern paraphrases. Some of you may remember it kind of came out around the hippie movement. I'm looking at you guys directly. And uh, the, uh, the Living Bible, y'all remember the Living Bible? Uh, I love how some of the wording goes. It says this, tell people to use their money to do good. They should give happily to those in need always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It's the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. This, this is important stuff. It, it, would be, it would be spiritual malpractice of me not to share with you the wisdom that God has concerning our finances. And so when, when Pastor Chris really did the heavy lifting of consulting with our Go Everywhere partners, 
um, you know, making the tags and the, and the tree and gathered together almost 200 individual gifts for some of the most unfortunate in the GTA. I got to tell you, I wondered if 200 gifts for a church that has often less than 200 on a Sunday morning was ambitious, bordering on clueless. And now, it looks like they've all been snapped up. Thank you, Knack. Thank you, thank you. This is the Jesus way of Christmas. It is a countercultural Christmas, especially uh, when all we've heard about the last couple of years are inflation and supply chains and, and COVID cutbacks and cost of living and mortgage rates. And you have responded with such selfless generosity. And I suppose, um, good news, bad news, you've only raised the bar for next year because it sounds like we need more tags and a bigger tree. And it's all because um, of the giving in the DNA of Christmas itself. It's all because of the person that we're celebrating, the way he modeled it, generously giving the gift of salvation, generously giving us the gift of grace, the gift of eternal life, the gift of forgiveness, um, the very gift of his own life. The Bible's really clear in its challenge to us how to act in this area. Take a look at just a handful of its words. In the great wisdom book of, of Proverbs, it says, if a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. And then later it says, he who gives to the poor will lack nothing, but he who closes his eyes to them <clears throat> receives many curses. We studied James recently. You remember this? Pure and lasting religion in the sight of God our Father means that we must care for orphans and widows in their troubles. And in the biography of Jesus' life written by uh, a doctor and a historian, Luke, these words of Jesus are recorded. When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Modeling that to your kids might do more to bring Christ into Christmas than, than almost anything else you could do. I have, I have a daughter who is not too sure about church these days, not too sure about faith. Um, not too sure about what she believes, but you know what? She heard about this giving tree and she was all over that. She wanted to be a part of that. And that encourages me and we'll, and we'll do it again next year uh, over and above our regular giving to God's work. The way, the way Christmas gifts should be given. You know, we, we don't give our kids a Christmas gift but neglect their basic needs in terms of, of food and clothing. It's an extra gift. And that's the way we treat this. And, and while it can be a sacrifice, more than anything, I hope it feels like a privilege to do that. I, I know of another family in a different community who made a, a similar commitment to support several poor children in Haiti, above and beyond their 
commitment to their church, of their tithe. It meant sacrifice for them. And so sometimes the kids had to forgo some of the things that other kids took for granted. Um, They rode secondhand bicycles. Sometimes their Christmas presents weren't the most latest, greatest, most expensive. But one Christmas, this man took his family to Haiti to see what their giving had done, you know, to meet these five children that their sacrifice had cared for and provided for. And so they arrived late in the afternoon. They met the children uh, standing in front of of the school building. Um, They'd been standing there since early in the morning, waiting to see these Christians who had loved them so much with their gifts and with their letters as well. And as soon as their Jeep stopped, these five Haitian kids raced to the Jeep, began to embrace and cry and weep with joy and gratitude. And it was a day like they had never had before. This this little Christian family got back into their Jeep and they started to head to their hotel. And on their way to Port-au-Prince, the capital of Haiti, the the two kids in the back just kind of sat in silence. And the the father finally asked, uh, is everything okay? What's wrong? And the daughter was like, oh, no, nothing's wrong. I was just thinking that there is nothing we could have done with our money over the last 10 years that would have made us happier than we are right now. I'm not surprised they felt that way. This kind of Christ-centered, countercultural. Christmas is what makes this season everything we long for it to be. So let's just recap. Model how to give gifts, not just get them. Um, Model what it means to serve others. May your gift giving start with Jesus and to the people he most identified with, which were actually the poor the widows, the orphans, the oppressed. And then finally, share the story with them. Uh, Reclaim the greatest news ever announced, that Christmas is about the greatest gift of all, Jesus himself. You might even do that by inviting family and friends to come to our Christmas Eve service. You might even talk as a family about who you're inviting. Talk about how you did the inviting. Pray for who you invited. I, I think you know, and this has you know, been proven as I talked about at the beginning of the service, that um, people who would never darken the door of a church throughout the year are open to a Christmas Eve invite. Because Christmas um, isn't just about a hand giving out food, water, or shelter but a hand that also holds out the message of Christ that meets the deepest need of our lives, which is having Christ as our leader and our forgiver. Because more than anything, Christmas is about the coming of God to planet Earth in the person of of Jesus. For people like you, for people like me, and for our friends, and for our family. Christmas is about God making himself known 
which is, which is why the heart of Christmas is always about continuing on in that mission to make the announcement of Christ, the, the proclamation of Christ, to convey the message of Christ because that's why he came and, and why at his birth an angel <laughs> ripped open the sky and, and burst out these words recorded in the New Testament. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today. A savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And then an entire host of angels filled the sky and erupted in praise to the living God, crying out glory, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. It was as if they were saying to everybody who could hear, do you realize who has come? Do you realize the gift you've been given, the one we've been worshiping in the glory of heaven is now here among you in the flesh. Do you realize the favor of God that rests on you? One of the most powerful questions I think that we could ask of ourselves and others is, do they know it's Christmas? Anyone else remember that 80s charity song with George Michael and Duran Duran and Sting. And it's a good question to ask, though, of, of the poor, of the shelterless in our own community, to ask that of those lying in the wake of war and famine and pandemics, to ask it of those in Africa and China, the trafficked, the abandoned orphan, to ask when we think of the lonely, the divorced, the newly grieving, to ask, what would it mean to give them Christ at Christmas? Do they even know it's Christmas? What would it mean to reach out to them in tangible ways? But the question is asked most deeply in relation to people's eternities. Do they know that a babe in a manger has come? Do they know who that child is, why he came? what he said, how he lived, what it means for their life. That's why nothing matters more than, than fulfilling the mission of this place because it's a mission of being the church to those people, telling them about Jesus, living like Jesus in front of them, acting the way Jesus would so that it, it can't be ignored. All this to say, uh, this Christmas to give like Christ, give like Christ in every way.